Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. This episode contains spoilers from Throne of Glass and A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass, and The Infernal Devices by Cassandra Clare. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> it's going. It's going. I'm slowly but surely getting unpacked. For anyone that doesn't know, I am officially moved into my apartment in Nashville. Now I'm just unpacking, which is just the best part. It's just a glorious process and I just love it so much how are you oh I'm good that's so fun I love unpacking I don't know why you don't like it I love unpacking (laughs) it's much more fun than packing no I just think the only things I don't have are the only things I need to unpack are random Christmas decoration things that need to go away and my kitchen and I hate unpacking my kitchen so annoying because it's all like little things and it takes forever but I have a three-day weekend coming up so ready for that we're gonna get through it we're gonna power through that's fair the kitchen is really hard I feel like it's very permanent also like once you unpack it that's all you've got you're like this is here forever and I'm never changing it yeah I'm good nothing major happening I'm going on vacation in a couple weeks I'm very excited for that I'm ready to get out of town that's about it going on your vacation I'm going to Seattle for a weekend I'm treating my mother to her birthday weekend. So we're going to Seattle. If anybody's in Seattle, I will be there. That'll be fun. I'm not telling you all when. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you all when, but I am going to Seattle. Um, yeah, so I'm doing that in a few weeks. I'm excited to get out of town. It'll be fun. But, I've never yeah. been to Seattle. I haven't either. So I'm excited. No. We're going to do the marketplace. Uh, we're staying pretty close to the Space Needles. So I'm excited to go there. And then we're just going to eat some nice seafood and go to Starbucks and the Amazon store, I think, just to like check things out. Quick weekend getaway. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm interested to see how it goes because I feel like we've been open. Like I said, we've been open a lot most of the time, so it'll be fun. I'm excited to get out of town and eat some nice seafood. Have you bought any bookish things this week? I did. Unfortunately. (laughs) Oh man. I I have been getting a lot of text messages this week from you. I will say I wanted to talk because I'm just like impulse by I'm trying Don't to be better about it. I feel like I need to like ask people first. Do I just like this? Cause it's cute. Do I like this? Cause I like their <laughs> shop. Am I ever going to wear this? Am I just buying it to buy it? I've been really bad, but I bought, um, book outlet had a big sale this week. So I bought a couple of books from them. Uh, I don't remember all of them. I will do an unboxing, but I got a, they haven't come in yet. I did get the fourth stocking Jack the Ripper series for like $3. So I'm interested to see what condition it's in because that was cheap. Ooh, interesting. But I have the other one in, uh, this is so relevant. I have the other one in that paperback, but I just redid my shelves. And so I was like, I broke up all my series, even Akatar and all of them, I like broke them up. So I don't care that it's paperback or hardcover because I, they're not sitting together on the shelf and it was $3. So is it rainbow order now? Is yeah. your shelf rainbow order now? <laughs> I did the whole thing because I had a section that was the mortal instruments. And then I had another section that was like all Sarah J mass. And then I had a section that was like the OGs. So it was like twilight and the hunger games, Harry Potter. I had like a whole Harry Potter shelf. So I was like, I'm running out of room. This is getting really awkward. So I broke everything up. Even my Harry Potters, they're all like living their best lives on my shelves. I, yeah, so I don't there. know how you can do that. I would lose <laughs> my mind. 
I, it would look pretty, but I would be looking for something and I would be like, where is it? Like I would lose my mind. My, uh, obsessive compulsive soul would, um, die. Yeah. I used to think that cause I used to do my like height order. This is so irrelevant. Here's 19 minutes of me. Here's talking about nothing. I used to do them in height order. So it really does bother me because now they're all like out of order, but I have some that are so much shorter than like the other ones. All my outlander series is so short. So I'm like, I don't even care. I'm just putting them on the shelves. They're hideous. It doesn't even matter, but they look nice. Cause it's rainbow. But I have so many black covered books, three full shelves of black books. And then I'm like, I have four grayish silver and like two brown and three purple that are at the end that look ugly. So those are on the very bottom. Um, but yeah, I spread them all apart. I'm and it was sad. Was I missed sale. that sale. Yeah, it was quick. I think it was like a 24 hour thing. And I didn't text you because I was like, Kirsten just went to half price books and books a million. And That's true. I, I can't be an enabler. <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I've already started this week. Well, okay. No, I lied. I bought some books online. Did I buy books online? I don't remember. This is how bad it is guys. Yeah. I'll have things show up and I'm like, Oh yeah, I did buy that. <laughs> that happened. So, um, yeah, don't, I'm, bad. I'm worried about what's going to happen next week. I have so many things coming in and I don't even know what they are. See, I, that was me last week. We're going to be each other's sponsors for the month. We're going on like a bookish buying ban bought stuff from book outlet. And then I bought a couple of things on Macari that I'm waiting to come in. I bought a Raven cycle apron. I'm excited to get those things in and then never buy anything again. My bookish. Oh, you know what else I bought? I lied. <laughs> My bookish box is coming in sometime this week. And I bought some yeah. things from uh blissfully bookish tees. So I got oh. a t-shirt for her birthday sale. She had a birthday sale last weekend for their four-year anniversary. So I did have to buy something for that. And it is also the Raven cycle. Shocking. I love their t-shirts. Oh, oh I'm excited. Love their t-shirts. I love them. I bought four <laughs> from them and they're so comfortable and they're like, they fit so well. And I just, I love them. They're, they're great. I love her. I love her stuff. And her stuff is really cute. She has so many different designs. I love it. I love them. I know. I can't so. wait for it to come in. I'm excited. I did like the, one of the custom designs. I'm very excited about that. And yeah, she had a good, she had a good sale. So I'm excited for those to come in. I don't have very many bookish things and you inspired me as far as clothing goes. And so now yeah. I am going to have many. What about you? What'd you buy this week? Well, I got my owl crate box in, which I absolutely loved. It was so good. I have my little video, my little unboxing video on my Instagram. And every five seconds, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like jaw hitting the floor. Every time I unpack something, it was so good. It was such a good box. That was a good one. They, they did everyone who did a subscription box this month did a good job. I don't think I talked about my bookish box box that I it got. was so good. Yeah, they bolted really good. It was different. There was a from Blood and Ash book sleeve. I was shocked by I got a really cute pillowcase, a really pretty bracelet that I always seen about 42 people post about. It's a crown. Alcray did good. You got a really pretty tote. Yeah, I got this like gray tote. I got like a book tin. The pin is really pretty book is beautiful oh they had a rule of wolves scarf which was really cool yeah they had some really great stuff so and then I bought a bunch of things from nerdy ink so a bunch of lord of the rings and so I got some bookmarks a book sleeve that is that is so cute I'm dying I love 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 my book sleeve it is so great it's so cute and then I got I think I got some, I got some prints from Owl Crate and, um, a couple pin banners. I got like a Hobbit pin banner, like the map, 
which is so, it's so cute. And then I got Lord of the Rings book bow. So I now have two book bows. Gonna have three because apparently in the bookish box, adult box, they're sending another book bow. So I'm like a book sleeve and a book bow is like company that makes them. The other Lord of the Rings one I got was the map. So cute. That is cute. I like that. We're like, what did we buy? Not very much. Just like a handful of things. Many things. All the things. Oh, and then I got pins. I got like the Hobbit pin. And then I got a Supernatural pin because... Oh yeah, that one was cute. I saw that. This is apparently just a bookish merch episode. You're all welcome. (laughs) We all told you we were going to share this stuff. So should we get into our episode for the week? Since we just spent 22 minutes chatting about all the things. I'm ready. Let's do it. So we're talking about this week, we're talking about Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mass. This is our first SJM book. This is Kirsten's first SJM book, first episode for us, but first read for Kirsten. So I read this one a couple of months ago, but I haven't read the whole series. I've only read Throne of Glass and Assassin's Blade, which I've said about 13 times. So I'm excited to like get through the whole series. I forgot what it was like to be in the world of Sarah J. Mass. I love her writing style. It is so beautiful. These books are, I think, get a little more criticism than like Akatar and Crescent City. Obviously, she's like older, wrote them later, but I think these are good. This book is good. I can't, if I, this honestly, is how the rest of the series is going to go, like if this is the worst of the series, I can't wait for the rest. No, seriously, because I all I heard when I started reading, or not when I started reading this, but before I started reading these and like seeing stuff online, because obviously she has a huge fan base and a huge following. And um the only like I always saw people were like you just have to get through the first two books I was reading Throne of Glass and I was like Tatiana if this is as bad as it is I'm obsessed and I'm only 100 pages in how is this I love this like I love this so much and so to be completely honest I don't understand the criticism just because I like started reading it and I was like instantly hooked I loved it so much and so I didn't understand that so if this is quote unquote as bad as, as bad as it gets for the entire series, I'm 1000% fine with that. I don't know. Like you're not going to do well with the rest of the series. I can already know. I can already tell that you are not going to do well with the rest of the series nope. emotionally. Be unwell. If this is the bad part, the part that's so good, Kirsten's just going to cry for like six and a half episodes. Oh that's what's going to happen. Tears of joy for like half of these episodes is basically what's going to happen because I already love it. So yeah, it's, it was, it was so great. And it was so fun to finally dive into the world of Sarah J. Matt. Yeah. It is going to be an emotional ride. I honestly really loved this and I was shocked. I know she wrote this when she was 16. So I thought that was kind of an interesting fun fact, but she's an amazing writer. Like that just goes to show how great she is. And I can't wait for you to read Akatar and go through all of that. And I mean, Crescent City is like 32% of my genetic makeup, so that's fine. But <laughs> I can't wait to read that one either, but this one is good. I really did like Throne of Glass. Like I said, I was instantly hooked. So when people were saying, oh, it's so slow, I was like, really? Like, is this slow? Like, people had to struggle to get through this? Then at at the same time, you also got to think, I love the like really dense fantasy novels. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of world building in this. I did kind of struggle to get into this when I first read it. Uh, It took me like 50 or so pages before I was like, okay, what's going to happen? But I don't think, I think, I think that with every book, like I have a hard time getting into every book. So that didn't surprise me, but the beginnings of hers are all pretty slow, but I don't think it's bad. Everybody just acts like it's, it's not great. And it's See, like, I, I didn't good. think it was bad. Like, I didn't think it was slow. Again, I really like the like dense fantasy novels of big world building and all the detail. The Hobbit is my favorite book. So thinking Tolkien, like dense world building, 
takes forever to get through everything, which is fine. When I read this, everyone was like, it's, it takes forever. And I was like, I thought it was interesting right off the bat. You get such great tidbits about her and about everything. I would, I ate it up, man. I, I had to convince myself to go to sleep at one point in time because I was like, I have 150 pages left and I can't stay up for another two hours. Yeah. I need to go to bed. I need to go to bed. I think the pacing in this one is really good though. I honestly think that, and I'm one of those ones who wants the information like very early on. I want it before the first, I would say 150 pages. I want the backstory. And I think you get that. I think you get enough of it that early on, where as I feel like in a lot of other books, you're not getting until two, 300 pages in and the book is 400 pages. And you're like, okay, I'm invested and I'm so confused, but like this one, I feel like the pacing was really good. You heard about Sam, you know, you knew there was something tragic that happened. We still don't know her full backstory, right? Even with this one. So I appreciate that like Assassin's Blade is its own thing. Um, and that like all of that world building is in there and you kind of hear about all of these things. And so I did, I did kind of like that there wasn't a ton of info that you found out about her life, but there was enough, I think enough to know that she, what happened with her and all that kind of stuff just wait until you read Assassin's Blade. Don't like put your heart over your chest for Sam. Oh my God. Wait till you read Assassin's Blade. Rip your heart out. I will um, be crying in the corner the entire uh, book. Like I already know. I'm, I was reading her dialogue about Sam and I've started Crown of Midnight. So there's mm-hmm. like more dialogue about him in there. And I've just, oh, my heart is just so broken for her. You can just feel that emotion and just how she writes it is just so wonderful. And I just, I am, again, I think, if I'm being completely honest, I'm, I'm already calling it that this is going to be my favorite. I am 1000% here for the first page, a strong female lead. Like she's an assassin. She's the best there is here for this. I'm here for it. I don't like the simpering. I have to learn how to fight. I'm not about that. I hate that when, when the guys are like, Oh, I got to teach you to fight. You can defend yourself. It drives me crazy. I love how she's just like, I can kick your ass get away. And she's that way the whole time. I love a strong female lead. And so I am, I'm here for the series. I don't know if I could say that she was the one to kind of start the revolution, but I feel like this was a time when they started to do that. And I don't know if she was like the spearhead of all of that, but it feels like a lot of her books are that way where it's a strong female lead who knows how to fight or knows, you know, what they want in life. And I mean, kind of with Feyre also, even in Akatar, she doesn't know how to fight, but she knows how to hunt and like take care of herself. So I think that that sort of sparked that revolution where like Holly Black, a lot of her books are very similar, right? Her big female characters are all really strong. And, you know, Cassandra Clare, Clary starts out as kind of weak, but like, as we see in the Infernal Devices, Emma is a really strong character and all that kind of stuff. So I I think this was this turning point, 2012-ish was really the big turning point for the strong female characters to kind of come into it. But this is Kirsten's like top five favorite things. Dragons, morally gray men, assassins, fantasy romance that's it that's like the perfect sandwich perfect (laughs) if you were to like (laughs) if you were to make kirsten's perfect book recipe this would be it like you've got a strong female lead you've got assassins you have dragons morally gray men and just i mean i tons of romance there's so many romances in here which i'm here for one thousand like all of it and i'm just like just mix it up in our little cauldron and here you go. Yeah, really. Here's <laughs> eight so books great. just for you. Yeah, yes. I think it's good. It's uh, I'm so ready for the rest of the series. I guess we can kind of dive into our thoughts on the book and all that kind of yeah. stuff, although we've said it already. Yeah. Um, first question, 
Team Dorian or Team Cattle Chale Cole? <laughs> I'm Kale. Team Kale. And I know a lot of people, again, I've, I'm only through Throne of Glass. So people are probably like, this girl, you're going to eat your words. But at this moment, I am Team Kale because to be completely honest, Dorian annoys the hell out of me. Dorian is so whiny and just like, my daddy doesn't listen to me. And I don't, you know, and there's just like so many things that I'm like, yeah, but you're the crown prince. And I understand your dad's a jackass, but at the same time, he, I don't know, like he just like, complains all the time and just how he, it annoys me how he sees Selena. There's this one scene where Dorian walks in and sees her like sleeping on her bed. And he's like, oh, she's so peaceful and quiet. And I could never see her like, hurting anyone and she's just a sweet girl and da 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 and then he leaves and then kale shows up and he's like you can tell even in her sleep that she could kill you he he recognizes who she is like as a person and so and i think dorian has these rose colored glasses on and it's just like yeah she's an assassin and she does bad things but isn't she so cute she's like so and then kale, yeah and kale's just like yeah she's hot but like she could also kill you so maybe respect that and he does respect that and so I think and he sees that I mean even you know we'll talk about crown of midnight later but like even the beginning of crown of midnight I was like kale sees that who she truly is whereas dorian does not he can't recognize the assassin and the girl and he doesn't understand that it's the same person he only wants to see one or the other so he annoys me in his aspect and how he sees her and just how he acts I'm not a big at this point in time I'm not a big dorian stan what about you? Um, I don't know. When I was reading this, I was team Dorian. I just liked the idea of them two together. I full on fresh hate a love triangle and I didn't want it to be there. I just was like, I'm just going to ignore it. Dorian saw her first and like, we're not her first. Oh, so uncomfortable. This is a good enemies to lovers and like love triangle. I think she did a good job kind of like bringing those two together. And it's interesting because this is one of those ones where I feel like it feels very infernal devices to me that she likes both of them in different ways. And so I thought that was good. Cause I feel like a lot of the times with love triangles, it's they like one or the other, they really like the other person, but this other one's like creeping. So I thought that was good. I like the way that Kale sees her much better than Dorian, but I liked their chemistry so much better. And just that he was so in tune with her playing the piano and realizing she like went through a tragedy and talking to her about that and his like love of reading. Cause of course we're reading a book. The main character has to love reading. I appreciate how typical a lot. <laughs> But I liked that. I liked their witty banter and him giving her the books and that kind of stuff. So I did really like their relationship. I didn't want it to end at the end. I didn't want her to end up with Kale. But now that I've started in Crown of Midnight, I like them better. I'm not sure who I am now, but for Throne of Glass, I was definitely like Team Dorian. I like the way that he looked at her and the opportunities he could have given her and all that kind of stuff. But I know I'm going to eat my words because I do know a spoiler about them. I like his internal <laughs> monologue of her and his thoughts that he has about her and all that kind of stuff. I liked them. I do like Kale as a character. He is like my go-to fictional boyfriend character. He's very know. wholesome. Yeah. He's like, very like, he like kills someone and he's destroyed by yeah, it. Yeah. And she's like, life is ruined. Yeah. Life is light ruined. Blonde, like light hair, really like stocky has a great like moral compass is that like fiercely loyal best friend which is why i was shocked that i liked him yeah when you texted me i was like oh hot take hot yeah i was this is shocking because i am which i'm sure eventually there will be some sort of morally gray morally gray man that will sweep me off my feet which i am here for but i do love kale i will say that at least as of now i do love kale um i know there's a lot of people who are like you kale and i'm like 
I'm interested to read. Tower. I mean, this is totally relevant. This is going to be a long ass episode. So sorry, team. I'm interested to read Tower of Dawn because everyone was saying read that like in tandem with, I don't know what the other one is, but that one's from like Kale's point of view. So I'm interested to see how much worse he gets throughout the rest of the series, because right now I get the hate sort of, but I'm not there yet. I'm not like full blown hate for him yet. You haven't read Crown of the Night, so you don't know, but I'm not full on there yet. But I, yeah, Kale's like my ideal character. I think he's great. I have a feeling I have some thoughts, but we'll save that for the next episode. Anyways, I'm, I'm team Dorian. You're team Kale. I do like Kale as a character thus far. I think he's a really good character. I just don't like them together. I think he's too soft for her. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that he, he tends to be a little more protective of her. Um, I also think yeah. Dorian doesn't know. I don't think Dorian knows what to do. Dorian with her. ain't it. That's all we have to say. <laughs> he just doesn't know what to do with her. Dorian's just like, I mean, you're cute and I want to kiss you a lot and I want to give you books. And I think Dorian's, I don't think both Dorian and Kale are too soft for her. Like Definitely. they're just, they're not, they haven't, they're not jaded enough. They haven't like had a tragic enough backstory. No, I, they really haven't. She's been through some, some stuff. shit, man, like hardcore stuff. The, neither of them have ever experienced what she's gone through. And so she's very, she knows, you know, she, she knows a lot more about the world than, than they definitely do. And she um, takes it in stride and she also throws it back at them. She's like, she doesn't take their crap. And it's so great. I love it. I love her character. She's such a well-written character. She's one of those ones that's like fiercely, undeniably herself. And she's that way the whole time. And is always, I like when at the beginning they take her from the cell or whatever, she meets the crown prince. She's not shameful at all. She doesn't say anything to them, but the entire time she's thinking like, I'm so dirty. I used to be so pretty. Like what happened to me? I was gorgeous. I'm so hot. And she says that like the whole time and throughout the entire thing, she even says that. And she's always like unapologetically confident. I think is the right word. I don't know, but she's so into herself and I love that. I think that is so cool. And this is a really good YA novel too. I know that like, as we get further, I think it's a little, it gets a little bit less sort of YA, I don't know, adjacent, like that new age. But I think this is a really good one. Like if I was 16 and reading this, I'd be like, wow, this is so cool that there's like a protagonist who's sitting here, who's so confident in herself and is pretty. And like, yeah, I loved her. I really, really liked her. I liked the beginning of this. Yeah. I thought that it was set up really good. You know that she's going to be smart and crafty and clever. And, you know, she's so snarky when she talks to Dorian the first time and Kale and kind of goes into this whole thing where she competing to be the King's champion. And she's like, just give it to me. Like, just give me the title. I don't even need to compete, you know? So I really like her. I think she's, she's so good. She, again, she is pretty much everything that I love and like a, like strong female lead. She's her internal dialogue is annoying or monotonous. You know, it's not granted. She likes to think she's, she's always thinking and she's always, her internal dialogue is, is so crafty and it's so she's processing everything that's going on and she's thinking through everything and she's thinking through her different interactions, taking in her environment. And it's just, it's so great. And I just, and not only her, but really a lot of the female characters that are, well, her and Nehemia are great, strong female characters within this book. So obviously, Selena's great. I love how Nehemia is just like, <laughs> she doesn't take anyone's crap. Like they try to talk to her and she just looks down on them. <laughs> I love like, the, I speak a different her. language trope where they I just love stop that. listening to you. Just as like, <laughs> just as like an identity as a human. I wish that I spoke another language so I could just stop listening to people and start speaking in another one. I think that one is so funny and it's so underused. You know what I mean? That was so, uh, I love that. I love that. I, I really like that. And I thought that the, the twist in here, the, 
I was kind of guessing throughout and I was like, it's this person. No, it's this person. Yeah. No, it's this person. You know, I had like my top three or like my top two suspicions of like who it would be. And so basically the whole premise of the book. So we'll do a brief summary is never in order. No. So basically, um, Selena is in this mining prison camp thing and Dorian shows up and says, all right, I have a deal for you. You can fight in this competition and become the King's champion and do all of his bidding for four years. And then you're free. And so she obviously says yes. And so they travel to the capital she they have like 13 weeks to compete in this competition at the end there's four of them and then they battle it out and then whoever wins is the king's champion and well throughout the book some of these champions are getting picked off so she and kale are trying to figure out what's happening you get all these kind of clues as to who she may have been prior she doesn't talk about her past her parents or anything like that but you get these kind of Inglings and clues as to who she might be, where she came from. Um, and then you meet Elena, who was the, the first queen. And she's basically telling her, okay, there's evil in the castle. You need to kill it. You need to become the champion. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. So basically the whole book is her trying to figure out who's killing the champions. How can I not die? Um, who do I trust? Who do I not trust? Um, how do I win my freedom? That was a great synopsis. I don't know why we never do those at the beginning of every episode. Yeah. I have some feelings about this. So I, here's another one where we do multiple first letter names. I was very confused at the beginning when I was reading Ardalan, Ardalane, whatever city, and then trying to figure out the guy that she was the assassin for whose name escapes me right now. Arabin. Uh, Arabin. Yeah. I was like, are these the same people? Is this like a city? Is these like two cities? Like she, it, she was Ardalane's like infamous assassin, but then also the guy that like runs the assassin's keep, it also starts with an A that looks very similar. Like, come on kids. So that was very confusing at the beginning, but I thought it was interesting that they gave her like a false identity and meeting kind of all the champions at the beginning was really fun and interesting to see how, you know, each person kind of sponsored someone who was totally different and to see how it was all kind of play out. I really liked her relationship with his name also escapes me. Uh, Knox, is that his name? And how, you know, progressively throughout her attitude where she says that she's better than everybody else, but she's also so compassionate and she wants friends and, you know, strives for that companionship and sees that he's struggling and sort of helps him train and he helps her in other ways. And, you know, she saves his life in that one challenge. So I did not not know it was Kane, but I don't know if I knew it was Kane. Thoughts? What about you? I had an idea. So she kept mentioning that he was getting bigger and bigger. And yeah. then she's talking about, she talks about like the book of what is it like, oh, like the book of the dead or book of the shadows that she finds. Yeah. The walking dead book or whatever. She finds all this information about this creature. And then she's noticing that, that Kane's getting bigger and stronger and moves in ways that he shouldn't for his size. It's kind of impossible that he can do the things that he can. Um, and then she finds out that he knows about who she is. So they created this false identity that she's some jewel thief. And I love that she was pissed that. off about this. Yeah. I love that she's like, that's that's offensive to me. Like she was so mad about it. And I loved it. I was like, yeah, you tell him, girl. And I understand why they did it, obviously, because, you know, they want a, that element of surprise. But you end up finding out the king that actually knows who she is. Um, and you find out that Parrington, the Duke Parrington, who was sponsored 
sponsors came has been like feeding him all this information, telling him about the tests. Duke Parrington is so let's talk about that one right now. He's so slimy and creepy and gross. I hate him so much. He reminds me of Vernon Thursley. That's like what I pictured him as my head. That actor. That's what he reminded me of. Really? Just like very selfish and yeah, just like chubby, selfish, weird. I pictured him as like a mountain of a man who's just like a big Still guy. Him as like a tall Vernon Dursley. <laughs> yeah, I can see that though. He is very like in it for himself. You obviously find out later more about him and the king and stuff and Kane and he seems so of... slimy. And then he's like hitting Oof. on that younger chick and all that stuff. I don't know. I just he was just so slimy and creepy to me, and I was just like, oh no. And I also felt bad for Caltain. Yeah, it's so creepy. And she's just, she's a little cuckoo in the Cocoa Puffs, but yeah, she, definitely. she's straight up, she's in it for the crown. She wants Prince Dorian's attention. And she's, she is the type of character, female character that I despise. Simpering and, oh, oh, I'm going to follow you around. And I, oh my goodness, I dropped my handkerchief. Can you, like, it just yeah, literally yeah. makes me want to, punch a wall i cannot stand and i love how selena is just really great i love it i don't know that was an interesting take the like courtesans that were all just like fawning over dorian and that was such a typical thing oh all these women love him but he only has eyes for selena and that wasn't that got a bit old after a while i think but i really liked that he didn't let her go to the ball and that she like snuck in and found a secret passageway so she could like creep from afar that was so funny and I, I don't know. This was, I liked all the challenges. I thought that was really cool, but the end kind of got a bit confusing for me. I know we're like skipping forward, but the middle parts that the cookie crumbs that like led up to the ending, the ward marks underneath the bed that she had to like erase every day, the secret passage, her like conversations with Alina, Elena, Alina, Aleska, who, what's her name? I don't know. <laughs> her conversations with Elena, just all of that sort of led up to a very chaotic ending. And it is so typical of SJM info dump slow burn, mass chaos, 20% info dump, 60% slow burn, romance, world building, middle, 20% absolute chaos. Every single one of our books is written this way. Every single one of them ends this way. It's always like that. So I was a bit confused towards the end, I think. And I didn't, like I said, I did not know it was Kane, but when it happened, I was like, oh, okay. So it was her and then him and then Kane and then like a little flying demon. And then they opened a portal. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I honestly, I thought it was going to be Caltane. I oh. thought it was going to be Caltane. I, because she kept talking about having these headaches and yeah, yeah. not remembering things. And I was like, and the Duke was like, we need to take her out. It was, there were these yeah. like, conversations that he was having with her about, we need to remove her from the situation. And she's talking about, you know, how they're coming after her and she's seeing all these word marks. And I was like, is it count? Like I kept, for me, it was leading to that. But then when she ran into Kane and he freaked out and she's like, has he gotten bigger? Did he grow more? How has he gotten bigger? And I was like, oh, it's Kane. <laughs> it's Kane. And I was like, yeah, ooh, he's got something to do with it. And then literally the next scene, you're like, mm, yep, that's Kane. I think her relationship with uh, Nahima, the princess, I really liked that. And I, their dynamic was so cute and fun. I wish that there was a little less mystery behind her character though. Like I would like a little more backstory about her. You don't, you get a lot of her in Crown of Midnight, but you still don't get a lot of her like backstory, like how she figured out about word marks and like knows about magic and all that kind of stuff. 
but like she knows a little too much about Selena and like all that kind of stuff. I wish, I don't know. I wish there was, or that we just got to read about like her family and all that kind of stuff. And that was a little bit more in the prequel. It's not in the Assassin's Blade at all and that kind of stuff either. So I would have just maybe liked a little bit more of her in this book and her, how she like ended up here. I don't know, just a little bit more of a backstory with her because I feel like yeah. she was a good side character and you didn't get enough of her in this one. That's how I felt. She's a very dynamic character and there's a lot of twists and turns in her arc and throughout the book that I really appreciated of just when Selena's like it's her she's the one that's doing all this I was like no like I don't see that how she was trying to put it together I was like no I just it doesn't feel right like for who for her being the one that's killing all the champions and summoning the creatures um I didn't see her doing that because she's she was described as far too talented at of a fighter to summon a creature to take on these these champions who she could have easily herself taken on and so I don't I didn't see her method of disposal as being something that was accurate to her character so I was like no that doesn't make sense of her and obviously it's not her but it's also just I don't know I was like nah that doesn't feel right to me I kind of I didn't think it was her because of the way that her character was built but I could I could see that that she made like a viable option she gave off very like sorcerer witchy vibes to me yeah so then you know we kind of go through the trials and all of that stuff which I will say I did love how she did not spend 10 pages on each trial I loved that it was not the sole focus on the book was not the trials you got bits and pieces from trials and you got a few trials here and a few trials there where there was like important information that was brought in but I absolutely love that we did not spend the entire book reading about trials and training like I love that I liked the little bit of information we got from the trials but I also like that was not the main focus of the plot you will hate Agasif I would have loved a little bit more I I like the trials I thought they were interesting but I agree I think that was well written that there is so much dialogue and there's so much interaction between all the characters and there's so much stuff like developed on top of showing her skills and then showing like the other skills of the champions I liked that Kale told her you know stay in the middle of the pack I think that was really great as far as developing her reputation and I think that worked out really well for how the ending kind of went and you know no one was really that surprised but they were still a little surprised that she ended up there and it's like not laying all your cards on the table and then we kind of get to the final fight scene and all that kind of stuff so I really thought that was well played out and she wrote that really well in how you're right like there wasn't a ton of trials but it's like this is where she landed in all of them and this is where like everybody else that you're kind of rooting for also but it it was good I think it was well written I don't know what else to say (laughs) what did you think about Alina and how she played in I thought it was interesting that there was you know, the secret passageway and it was all very like spooky and mysterious. She goes down there and like finds the crypt and all that. So I thought that was really well played out. And I wish we would have gotten a little bit more of the queen or at least more of a backstory. I understand there was a big war and the elves left and magic is gone. And I know we'll find that more out as the series goes along, but I'm still a bit confused as to what happened with the war. So I would have liked, these were the people that brought Illyria, which also PPS reminds me of Illyria from she's the man and all i could think of while i was reading them was like welcome to Illyria, blah 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 that the guy sings anywho anyways that's all i could think of when i first started reading this book was like welcome to Illyria," from she's the man and so i would have liked we're to- singing everybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't get through an episode again. without singing Woo! that's how i felt it just felt like that i don't know i i tatiana loves more information earlier on i do not appreciate like 
we're at the end of the book and there's no info. I just would have liked a little bit more. I was kind of confused as to who she was. She's like half fae, but not. And then he's yeah. a king and how that dynamic came together. And I assume as we go on, we'll get more info, but it's hard to read this series feel for, you know, Elena and their dynamic, I guess. And like how she's going to play into it and appreciate her as a character when I have no idea who she is other than that. She's like the first queen. So I would have loved a little bit more there, but I liked that she came back as a ghost and we're still not like mm, magic is real, you know, like that was good. <laughs> so I thought that was crazy. I like that. Yeah. I thought that was really well played out. Um, and she's so clever and smart and she's such a good main character that she goes into the tomb and, you know, uses the ancient sword and isn't afraid to, to go in there and use that and save herself and all those things. So yeah, I liked it. I really liked that scene. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. I, I really liked her and I liked how she played into certain scenes and how she played into certain aspects. Cause you know, again, there's all these little breadcrumbs as to who Selena actually is. Cause she talks about Selena is not actually her real name. And she talks about, she doesn't talk about who, where she's from or who her parents are. And you hear a lot about when Kane and her are fighting at the end about, you know, him talking about her parents and how they died. And you're like, okay, you're getting these breadcrumbs. And then even Alina's like, you're destined for this. You're the only one that can do this. And so there's a lot of things that you're like, who is she? Like who? And you kind of get some breadcrumbs in Crown of Midnight too, like in the beginning. And so um, I really like that, that she kind of, she plays a big role in um, also the development of Selena's character and just calling her out and being like, she's like, yes, you're here for your freedom. And I understand, but you're also here because you understand the people's plight. You understand what they've gone through. You've experienced this and you're here for them. The best way you can serve them is by getting close to the king and figuring it out. I was going to say, I feel like she serves as kind of like her conscience. These are, she's like the angel on her shoulder that's telling her what she doesn't want to hear. And I think that that's like really, I think that's something we need in a lot of main characters because especially this one's like written in third person. So it's not like you hear kind of her internal monologue. You're just sort of here. Who am I kidding? It's not like you sort of read her internal monologue but you see it in her actions and things. So I, I liked that there was actual dialogue that felt like her conscious and what she was thinking or wasn't willing to like admit to herself and that she was so yeah. tough on her and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, she says, she thinks it's like a fever dream, but then she wakes up with the amulet in her hand and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I thought it was good. That was an interesting way to play that with the ghost. Yeah. I really liked her. I liked her character. I also loved how she's like, yeah, they depicted me as a dam as a damsel in distress, but, um, I was a badass warrior and I fought next to my husband and I don't know. I just, I thought she's a great character and I, I'm again, I'm, I'm about hundred pages into crowd of midnight. So I'm liking how she's playing into that one too. So, but we'll talk about that next week, but yeah, I really liked her. I thought she was a great addition to the, the character arc of Selena in this book. Yeah, I'm excited to see how her arc progresses as we get past uh, Air of Fire and into that and what happens there. Because like I said, like we've said this a million times, but we haven't read that far into it yet. Um, Crown of Midnight is kind of where it makes that turn. So I'm interested to see because I've heard her character only gets better from here. So I'm ready for that. I really, really liked this book. The ending, let's chat a little bit about that. I was a bit confused. So obviously we go through the trial. Kane defeats whatever his name is, Vaughn, who's irrelevant. And then she fights and uh, wins that. And then, so she's obviously going to fight Kane before they go to fight Kane. She gets drugged by Calteen Barr, whatever her name is. <laughs> her name literally sounds like Calteen Barr's from Mean Girls. If you don't know that reference, we cannot be friends. 
just kidding. So calcine bar like goes and poisons her. And this is the part where I was confused. So I know that she's with the clock tower and we've said previously that she saw ward marks like near the clock tower that sort of sundial-esque shadowed it. And there's the eight guardians and all that. So I get the premise that it is like sort of a gate or uh, like a gateway to the other worlds, but I was confused. Nehemia puts a symbol on her forehead. Elena shows up, takes the poison away. There's like little flying monkey bat creatures all. Feel like very Wizard of Oz to you? Like I just imagined that as like the Wicked Witch of the West. It was like da 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 and like flying on her broom with like flying monkeys. Anyways, I'm sure they were like Volcra style, much more terrifying. But it wasn't really comical to me, and I was just like, wait, what is happening? I was very chaos. It was utter chaos because it was like yeah, all these. She's like she sent this wind and it sent Kane back and it was all this thing but like also at the same time like all of this is happening in this other realm whereas like I'm like okay so what are they actually seeing like what's the actual people see I'm yeah so because confused. the king and Kale and Dorian they don't see they just see yeah. her writhing on the ground and Kane's just standing there like Kane's not they don't see Kane like attacking her yeah, yeah. because he's attacking her as the like demon creature and she's obviously seeing all these flying monkeys coming at her and freaking out whereas he's like what they actually see is just her writhing on the ground in pain and Kane just standing there looking at her like a big dumb idiot and so it's like this weird like dual battle that's going on you know what I mean like the one that they are seeing and then the one they're not seeing and so obviously the one they're not seeing is Elena's there which the only one that can see that is Nahemia she can see she saw everything that happened so she was there like fighting off the little demons too and so um yeah it was chaos it was just utter chaos and so that was a little hard for me to be like okay wait we gotta we gotta what are what are we seeing what are we not seeing um so that was an interesting scene for sure I was just like confused as to how they were setting it up because I was like yeah what are they looking at and then how is everybody just sort of like okay this is weird and then they say it at the end that they think you know with her the symbol burn on her head she's like goddess blessed or ward blessed and that was so strange because they're like okay we don't really believe in magic anymore and like none of that's real but it's like totally fine that she has the symbol burned into her head. Like no problem. I'm fine. <laughs> and nobody brings it up again. Like it just happens at the end of the battle. And then everybody's like, okay, well she broke her collarbone or whatever, put her to bed. Let's never talk about it again. They do I- talk about it though. The King talks about it at the very end, him and Duke Carrington talk about it. Yeah. But they don't talk about it, like publicly. Right. Oh no, not publicly. No, 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 no. It's all nobody like, else mentions hush, it. hush. It's right. It's so, yeah. so weird. No one mentions it. They all know what happened, but they don't mention it. Um, Nobody's going to talk about it. They don't know that we know that they know. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I'm done. I'm really on Um, one today. Anyways, if you don't know what we're talking about, we can't be friends. Definitely. (laughs) No, we, uh, anyways. So she has this weird mark that's burned on her head. I think Nehemia mentions it, but it's not like something that's really talked about a lot. And it's kind of like, and you can, you can, like, she... Selena's like what happened like Selena's confused you know and I she doesn't know and so she wants yeah we're all I have questions (laughs) but um no it was just like okay and so there was a lot of kind of confusion around that which I understand and maybe they'll explain it later or who she is and her backstory and past but that was interesting to me but 
Yeah. And then you, you know, throughout the book, you're talking, you, you find more about the word mark, you find out more about the word marks and what they are. And they're like, not magic, but they kind of are kind of a thing. And so you kind of find all this out and they're talking about like, if the King got a hold of this, like if he could create like another, a portal from hell to create a demon army, this is going to be really bad. What is he going to do? And it's very reminiscent of the first, that first war that they're talking about that like yeah. Elena fought that Elena like fought in whatever before right. like the first King and queen. And so it's very reminiscent of them fighting that like dark Lord who literally had a demon army. It's kind of like history repeating itself almost. And so um, that was very, I liked the parallel for that. I really liked that. And so that was, I really liked the parallel. Yeah, if we're not going to get like a pre-prequel to everything that happened, I'd like them to just repeat everything over again. This yeah. side note, SJM, if you're ever like out of ideas, this one would be a really good one to write a prequel series to about Elena and her husband and everything that happened with them. Yes. We would all read that. Have you heard the theory? This is kind of a side tangent. We're never in order here. Have you heard the theory that... Throne of Glass, Akatar, and Crescent City will all eventually converge into one world. I've heard about that. Yeah. Because let's, she let's talks talk about, about the about different she talks about the different realms, right? right? So in this book, she's mentioning different realms. And Nahemia's like, yeah, there's like hundreds of different realms. And there's and she's mentioning magic disappearing. So if magic disappeared, where did it go to? You know what I mean? Like the Fae and all of these things. And it's like, okay, is that? Is Akatar where this magic disappeared to? You know, it's very interesting to think about that and be like, huh, interesting. Are these these different realms in this? Are these all going to converge together at one point in time? Which would be really cool. So, I mean, I would be 1,000. Yeah, like that. Sarah said that. Sarah said that at some point these will all come together. I can't wait for when that happens. I feel like there's two more Akatar books that are like promised. And then obviously the rest of however long, I think Crescent City's probably going to be, I have a feeling it's going to be four books. Yeah, because and then they converge houses. at one point. Mm-hmm. And then the end of it will be that. But Sarah, if you ever run out of ideas, you just write a prequel, girl. Just home I, 1,000%. I love Elena. Um, write a nice prequel. That would be good. I'm sure there's some fan fiction out there about it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm hit us so, up if you know uh, it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, hit us up. Let me know because I will read the shit out of that. Yeah, no, I liked the ending and I liked how it kind of ended and her being kind of she felt this kind of like scared but happy these scared and happy and conflicting feel like feelings throughout the entire book because she's gonna be free but at the same time she has to be at the king's bidding who she hates and so and it's the start of okay yeah she won the championship and she's the king's champion now but now she has to do his bidding and so it's this these conflicting emotions throughout the entire book which is like conflicting emotions with her like love interest conflicting emotions with her friends conflicting emotions about the like and so it was I thought the dynamic of that was great and it it kept it everything kind of like it kept the monotony up she's a really good character I think she is very interesting and everything she says she's very calculating and always has those kind of conversations with with herself I liked that the ending didn't end with her kind of waking up from the end of the battle. I like that she stops and has that conversation with Dorian and says, we can't do this because your father is the man that has ruined my whole life and ruined my family's lives and everyone else in the realm's life. But I like that it didn't just sort of end on like a cliffhanger. It really ends with like a good adult conversation. And she says that to him and, you know, Kale gets to stand in the corner and pine, like we all want him to. And it, it was good. I really liked the ending. I thought that was like really well wrapped up in a nice little bow her conversations with him, you know, her friendship with Nehemia and how they're going to continue on and all of that kind of stuff. 
yeah, I really like the ending. I also like that she just she just told Dorian and it wasn't anything about she it wasn't and she made it clear. She's like, it's not that I don't like you. It's not that I don't want to be friends. It's not that I'm not attracted to you. It's literally because like your father's a terrible, terrible, terrible person. Like he's ruined countless lives and I can't do what I need to do to save those lives, save more if I'm wrapped up in your spell or if I like there's no future for us you know what I mean she's very clear about that she's like I know there's no future she's like after four years what I have to sit here and watch you pretend we're not together none of this means anything to you and watch other women chase after you and she's very blunt and she's like this is the reality of our situation and I'm not going to pretend she lives in reality and he does not and so that's the big difference between them and I love that also I feel like same with Kale like he he's a little bit more real. I think he has more of a grasp on reality and how things work and her temperament and who she truly is. But at the same time, I don't think they're not strong enough to be her other half. They're not strong enough to be that balanced to her. And so, um, I'm not, I know there, there are more love interests down the road. So I'm holding out for a hero, man. And so, um, or a morally gray man that that too. I don't but, know um, anything yeah. about her future love interests. Yeah, I think that that's really well played out, and she is so realistic about it. And it's just like I'm not gonna sit here in court and pretend that like you can marry the king's assassin. And I think even with Kale too, he gets a little bit too puppy dog eyes towards the end there, and is like, well, if she's not gonna be with Dorian because he's the prince, like maybe she can be with me. And it's like, no, you're still like respectable, essentially nobleman, and you know, she does a really good job of kind of guarding her heart and doing that and realizing, you know, the hard choices that she's had to make throughout her whole life and continues to kind of make them knowing that not only she's, you know, the chosen one that Elena says she is, but also the King's champion and what the realities of that and what a, you know, grungy, dirty job that is. Well, she realizes who she is and, and not only being the King's champion, but she's an assassin. She does a great job building the relationships. It just gets better and better as the pages go on. And I'm sure as the series goes on, so we're ready for that. But I did like, you know, her progression with Kale and him being bolder and braver to say things to her that he does care about her and and all of that. And, you know, I love Kale as a character. I don't love him for her. We've already established that, but I do love his character and he gets more and more brave and sort of realizes his worth and that he is a great man and morally, you know, thinks that he's so in the right, um, kind of going forward. What are your thoughts on Fleetfoot? And the, her dynamic animal I love sidekick. Fleetfoot. I love her. I, love I loved how he, how Dorian's like, Mary. Okay. First of all, if a man gave me three pounds of candy and a dog, I would marry him. Let's just throw that out there. I'm not a big Dorian stan, but if a man gave me three pounds of candy and dog, hands down. I don't think there's enough animal side characters in books anymore. I will just say that. I just think that that's, it's so fun and cute and I think of like the Raven cycle with Ronan and I can't think of another one that has like a really fun animal side character right off the top of my head. But I think that's such a fun addition. I just finished the book on uh, Wattpad. And, uh, and one of the animal side characters is he's like a familiar, but he's like a demon bulldog. I'm here for that animal sidekicks. I don't know if you've read the golden compass or watched the movie, the show. They all have familiars, like all the kids have familiars um, that can like shift and adapt. And then when they get older, they like turn into something permanent. And he's a huge, he is a character, you know, Pan's a character in his golden compass. I don't know. I don't think they do it enough anymore. I think that was really big back then. This, this era of like 2012 to 2016, I think that was really big to have that animal side character. And we need to bring that back. 
I, I also think of, uh, what is it, the movie Coco with their like spirit guides and you've got the like the hairless, the hairless dog who's his little spirit guide. I love that. Bring it back. Bring back the animal side characters. Yeah, Fleetwood's not a big one in this, but I really liked her as an idea. I love that she's just there. She's like a pet. She's a typical naughty dog. Like she steals bacon off the plate when they're not looking. She's just a fun creature to have around. So I cannot wait until the dragons show up. Yeah, I'm excited. I I liked that. Um, Any kind of final thoughts on the book? I feel like we've really dove into it there. Don't ever come to this podcast in hopes that we're doing anything in chronological order, except for maybe our first episode. What was your star rating for this one? I'm going to give it four and a half to be completely honest. Wow. I like it. And I don't want to give it more because everyone's like, it gets better. And I'm like, if this gets better, we're going to have. I think it's better than five. You're going to run out of stars. What's your star rating? I rated it three stars, apparently. Three? Yeah. Really? I read this in December. Actually, this was the last book I read last year, December 31st. I'm just checking my good reads. I just want to make sure that nobody comes at me if I'm like, I said something else. Um, Yeah, I gave it three stars. So I think for me, the beginning was a little bit slow. This is definitely not a four and a half star read for me. Absolutely not. There's no way. I, I don't know. Again, our, our different, like I'm here for the dramatic backstory, like detailed, deep fantasy. I don't know who I was back then. I don't, I really don't. I am shook if you gave it three stars. I don't know who I was back then because you know what? I gave Ronan Rising four stars. Who was I? I take it all back. What, what was my star rating? <laughs> I lied to myself. Let's be real. <laughs> I would probably give this about a four, mostly because I love Sarah J. Mass. I think the beginning of this book is a little bit slow for me. It's definitely not like a knock it out of the park read. It took a little bit for me to really get into it. And the ending was a little confusing. So I'd probably give it like a solid 3.75 slash four stars. I thought it was really, really good. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I was immediately obsessed. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's I was so wild. immediately obsessed. I already know that this is going to be a very unhealthy obsession for me. <laughs> like I, I, I can feel it. That's fair. This is, yeah, I have a feeling Kirsten's going to become obsessed. This is a good one to be obsessed with because there's so much fan art. There's so much fandom behind it. There's so much merch. People love to talk about it all the time, even if they've already read it. This is a good one to like binge read. This is a good one to slow read. I'm ready to be wholeheartedly in this series, but it is a fun, fun thing to be a survivor of mass destruction. It is so fun. (laughs) I, yeah, I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of the episode. This series literally has everything I could possibly ever want in any sort of like fantasy series and so yeah this one's this is this one's gonna take over my life I can feel it yeah definitely my hope for this I'm not gonna nobody spoil this my hope for this as we go on is that it does get a little bit older as she gets older kind of Harry Potter style because I feel like when we read those and we were 12 we liked it because we were 12 but as we got to when we were 18 you know the her style of writing and the things that happened to them you know kind of got more adult so I hope as we go through the series that it gets a little bit older because she is 16. Yeah. She acts very, she's 18. Oh, she's 18. Sorry. She's 18. Yeah. She's 18, but she acts 18. You know, I hope that as yeah. we go through, it's essentially like, you know, she'll be 24 or something like that or 22 by the time we end. Cause I remember when I read Assassin's Blade, you can really tell that she's, you know, 16. Cause that one's like two years before. I, I remember when I read Assassin's Blade being like, okay, this is a little bit more YA than I usually read. I hope that it gets 
older as we go, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand the need for Assassin's Blade. I like that we get that kind of backstory and you learn more about. I really like I know you, you learn about Sam, which I'm not prepared for. I'm excited to continue on in the series. I really am. This is probably going to be a comfort read series yeah. for me. I can, I can kind of feel that, that I'm getting it. I'm, I, I understand I... it now. So question for you. Now that you've made it through your first like SJM book, do you understand the hype? Oh, 1000%. Yeah. I totally get it. Like, yeah. and the fact that she wrote this at 16 makes me feel very Wild. unaccomplished in my life. Yeah, it's so good. I really like it. I understand. I understand the obsession and the fandom and everything Welcome. behind it. I will be joining everyone in the craziness that is the Throne of Glass and Sarah J. Mass fandom. So, hey, I'm um, dying. It's, it's exciting. I really like it. I really it's, do. We are like, okay, maybe we aren't, but I like to pretend that we're not like the trendiest people on the planet Earth but that we like aren't the first ones to hop on trends. I'm never going to be the first one to hop on a trend, but this is one that I will gladly hop on. I'm into yeah. it. Yep. I love her. I love her writing. I love yeah. her writing style. I, I love the font that she uses. I'm reading a few <laughs> other books right now. And I just realized how much I like miss whatever font she uses. Uh, yeah. I love her. Any final thoughts on the book, the series, the next few weeks? Yeah. We're all very excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what it brings. I can't wait to continue on with selena's story and to learn more not only about her but the other characters and to meet new characters and learn more about her past um i'm very excited because i really i really enjoy her as a character and so i cannot wait to continue to read more about her um so far so good i mean i i'm getting prepared for this to be something that is going to be a slight obsession so be prepared for um, lots of Throne of Glass content. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, there's no other way to put it. I'm excited. Yeah. So we're both excited. Let's be honest. We're all excited. Everyone's excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see how I'm excited. Uh, I'm ready to see how the rest of this series turns out. Uh, I'm ready for the transition for Selena to kind of grow up and see what happens there. I'm really excited to reread Assassin's Blade and live through that again now that I've read kind of two books in the series and seeing what's happened in her love life and everything like that. I love her. I love her character. I love the dynamic here. I like all the people that are going to be involved and in it. And I think it's really well done. I think this was a good start to the series. And if this is everyone's least favorite, I am not sure how I'm going to make it through the rest of the series. I was just going to say, I don't know how we're going to survive. Uh, the only, my only criticism is that the beginning is a little bit slow. It took me a minute to <gasps> kind of get a grip on what was going on. Loving and, it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, it took me a minute to start really being like, okay, what's happening. I don't like to read the synopsis beforehand. So I think that was what threw it off for me. That was my only criticism is I think the beginning is a little bit slow before we really establish like what's going to happen. But I, I also I liked want- the beginning. I was really excited. I liked I really like the beginning of that one. I mean, obviously we'll get into that next week, but I, I liked how it started and I liked her, her transition and just, again, you see that dynamic between Kale and Dorian and how they see her and the differences that they, how they see her so differently. And I just, I, yeah, I don't, obviously I don't think she ends up with either of them and I don't think either of them are a great fit for her, but yeah. Yeah, I think that for me, I just want all the information within the first like 50 pages, not the first 150 pages. So I had a hard time really getting into it. But other than that, I thought it was good. Solid four you stars. Like, you like the information I want it early, like first few pages. I want to be reading the information. Like I want to like, start with like the info. 
I like the breadcrumbs and to figure it out and who they are. Just Once like, upon a time, it. I want it to be that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to figure nothing out. I just want it to be like, once upon a time, this happened. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, all right. I don't need to know. I want it to, that the moment they were born, I want that to be the start of the book. Just kidding. You want every detail of like, right away. okay. <laughs> I don't want to figure so nothing funny. out. Anybody got time for that? That's so funny. All right. Should we go into our obscure book recommendation of the week? Let's do it. Awesome. What is your obscure book recommendation of the week? Okay. So my obscure book recommendation of the week is A Kingdom of Dreams Ooh. by Judith McNaught. If that is not a romance cover, oh my God, I, was just I don't know what else. You. Is this a romance it's book? Literally castle with a bunch of clouds around it. Very. With a large font of the author's name. Oh yeah. Very romance novel. It's very romance novel. It's by Judith McNaught. I love this book. This is probably, this is my first uh, Judith McNaught book that I read. So the synopsis, A Kingdom of Dreams, abducted by, from her convent school, headstrong Scottish beauty, Jennifer Merrick, does not easily surrender to Royce Westmoreland, Duke of Claymore, known as the Wolf. His very name strikes terror in the hearts of his enemies, but proud Jennifer will not, will have nothing to do with the fierce English warrior who holds her captive. This handsome rogue who taunts her with his blazing arrogance, boldly she challenges his will until the night he takes her in his powerful embrace, awakening in an irresistible hunger. <laughs> and suddenly Jennifer finds herself ensnared in a, in a bewildering web, a seductive, dangerous trap of pride, passion, loyalty, and overwhelming love. So I really liked it. I was expecting, to be completely honest, I looked at the cover and I was like, I'm probably not going to like this book. I may not like this one. But um, the two main characters are wonderful. Their like, story is great. There's a lot of plot twists and a lot of things that happen. Um, if you've read any of Judith McNaught's books, it's not one where there's a lot of trials that go along with the like two main characters kind of coming together and, you know, finding love kind of a thing. So Judith McNaught just keeps it coming. I mean, there have been some of her books I'm reading and I'm just like in tears, but so good. Um, so highly recommend A Kingdom of Dreams by Judith McNaught. If you're into romance, historical romance books, pick it up. This is the place to come for historical romance. Yep. Your book recommendation. <laughs> what about you? What's your um, obscure book recommendation? I got this is a uplifting and funny romantic comedy. Mixing it up, team. It's called I'm Still Standing by Colleen Coleman. So when Evelyn Dooley married her high school sweetheart James, she thought she was set for life. Now at 28, single and fleeing to Dublin from her hometown to avoid the gossip surrounding her breakup, all because of a test your relationship board game. This was not her five-year plan. This encounter was with a gorgeous musician, Danny, leads to an unlikely friendship, and soon the pair are running music nights together, all in one of the oldest pubs in Dublin. For the first time, Evelyn is following her dreams rather than someone else's, and sparks begin to fly with her and Danny. But while her savings run out and home beckons, Evelyn has to choose the safe, comfortable life she left behind or a new adventure with Danny. It was really funny. I read it a while ago. Uh, I forgot really everything that happens other than that. I think there's some sort of happy ending, but <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's a really quick read. It's only... This is one that's under 300 pages. If you listen to our last episode, I found one. It's okay. only 222 pages. Um, kind of a funny coming of age tale about finding yourself and lost loves and sort of taking a leap. Also set in Ireland. We're really big fans of the British Isles. <laughs> um, but this is yes. one of those newer ones. It did, it's not that old. It came out, I don't know, for fairly recently, I think. Um, I'm looking up 2017 but it's one of those ones with the new romantic not that anybody can see this but it's one of those ones the new like funny front animated the new like kind of contemporary romance books it's yeah, not like yeah. the half naked man on the front definitely it's pretty funny 
Yeah, this book came out in the one that I recommended, 1989. So that tells you anything. The oldest books on planet Earth. (laughs) She's like the horse whisperer, circa 1693. It's so good. So good. Oh, that's so funny. I love that. I did get a message from Kate Reads and she sent me a big long list of obscure book recommendations that she hasn't seen on Instagram. So we'll have to start reading through those and um, sharing those recommendations because we're running thin. Everything I've read is pretty non-obscure, except for like maybe a Nicholas Sparks book um, and a handful of things like that. Although I don't think that's very obscure. Yeah, I'm down to romance novels, you guys. So thank yeah. you, Kate, for sending those over. My next one's going to be like Big Sky Wedding. So y'all are welcome for that. <laughs> Do we have any announcements? Anything fun going on? Yeah, we uh, started a book club, you guys. So if you are interested in joining our book club, go to our Instagram and click on our link tree. It is linked through there. It is through the Discord group. Um, we are starting our first read on June 1st. It is The Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. So we are very excited to dive into that. So um, it's basically going to be, you know, the format is we take the month to read. We have kind of chats in there for spoilers if people want to discuss it. Um, and then at the end of the month, we get together and talk about it. Um, we want to make sure everyone has ample time to read the book everyone's lives are you know different and crazy right now so we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to actually read the book before we you know set times to discuss it so um but yeah we're really excited so head on over there and join us the group is already amazing we have a great group of girls over there and yeah can't wait to start talking the books with uh, our little book club so go over and join us it's a fun time yeah, I'm excited. Disc- so we have it done through Discord, which is a separate app, but it's totally free and super easy to download. That way we kind of keep it off of Instagram. And if people don't have Instagram and they have TikTok or whatever, we wanted to make it a little more inclusive so that we can um, kind of keep it over there. But if you guys have not read The Ninth House and want to join us, join us. If you don't know what The Ninth House is about, I will read you a very brief synopsis because I actually don't think anybody, I don't know what it's about. So I'm going to read the quick synopsis Thanks to good old Goodreads. Alex Stern is the most unlikely member of Yale's freshman class. Raised in Los Angeles by a hippie mom, Alex drops out of school early and into a world of shady drug dealer boyfriends, dead-end jobs, and much, much worse. By age 20, in fact, she is a sole survivor of a horrific, unsolved multiple homicide. Some might say she's thrown her life away, but at her hospital bed, Alex is offered a second chance to attend one of the most elite universities on a full-ride scholarship. What's the catch and why her? Still searching for answers to herself, Alex arrives in New Haven tasked with the mysterious benefactors from monitoring the activities of Yale secret societies. These eight windowless tombs are known to be the haunts of the future rich and powerful from high ranking politicians to Wall Street and Hollywood's biggest players. But their occult studies are revealed to be more sinister and more extraordinary than any paranoid imagination might conceive. So this is like a dark academia. It's a standalone. I like that. Yeah. I read the synopsis earlier today and I hadn't read it prior. I just knew that like Lee Bardugo wrote it. So that's why we picked it because it's trendy. But it sounds really good. I haven't read Dark Academia in a while. So I'm excited to jump back into this one. Same, same. This is going to be fun. I'm we'll do a whole podcast episode on it. I'm sure when yes. we finish. But <laughs> if you want to read along with us, we'll do a video chat at the end and you guys can see our silly faces and talk about how much you love Lee Bardugo. Yes, it'll be fun. I'm so excited. I'm I excited. cannot wait. I cannot wait. This one's so, been on my TV a- for a while. I did not know about it until you had brought it up. And so I... I think I had seen it a few times, um, but I, I guess I just didn't associate it because it wasn't, the, yeah, yeah. Cause it wasn't the Grishaverse. So I didn't associate it with the okay. Bardugo. So, um, I'm excited to, to 
see her writing in something outside of the Grishaverse and how that translates. I'm very excited. And this is kind of like fiction, not fantasy. I'm thinking like, I know it's paranormal, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking it's not necessarily like super fantasy. So I'm interested to see how she changes that up and writes. I love her writing in six of crows and this one came out after. So chef's kiss. I hope it's good. Yep. I I'm ready for it it too. So, so we'll be doing throne of glass the next couple of weeks. I know we've said this a few times and then we'll have two bonus episodes coming out in June and then two coming out in July. And we are so excited about those. Uh, one of them will be the lost apothecary as a review. And then we have a special guest coming on in June and a special guest coming on in July. So we're really excited for our first couple interviews. And the last one will be a really fun one in the end of July. That's all I have. Very excited for those. Very excited for those. So but that kind of wraps it up yeah, <laughs> as far as my feelings. Thank you guys for hanging out this week with us, talking about Throne of Glass and our many opinions and love for Selena and excitement for the rest of the series. We appreciate you guys hanging in there with us and listening to us every week. And thank you for just being awesome. It's good stuff. Yeah. If you guys aren't following us, head over to our Instagram and TikTok. We're at the Bookish Banter Podcast on both of those. And then our Instagrams are in our bio on Instagram. If you guys want to follow us individually on there, um, I think that's it. Yeah. We really appreciate you guys. If you guys aren't subscribed, subscribe, leave us a nice five-star review and join the book club. Say hi, send us a DM. If you really enjoyed an episode or if you just really love the podcast in general, please share it with a friend. We love you all. Stay safe out there. And that's all we have for this week. So thank you guys for hanging in. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bookish Banter podcast this week. We would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thank you once again, and we'll see you all next week.